Hey everybody and welcome to CookPod, the podcast that's disrupting the conversation space. I'm Peter Barrett. This week I've got a double header for you. I was in Seattle about a month ago and I had two conversations with two friends, both pretty old friends, one from real life and one just an internet friend until we met on my trip to Seattle. Uh, Andrew Rubenstein was uh, in grad school with me at the Art Institute of Chicago. We both got our MFAs in painting there at the same time and we've been super tight ever since. He had his first solo show at a gallery, Zinc Contemporary, downtown in Seattle, and so I went out to help him celebrate. And we also did some R&D for his brand new bagel venture, Rubenstein Bagels, that's R-U-B-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. He spent the better part of a couple years refining his recipe and technique at home, made a few different stabs at uh, spaces and partners that didn't work out over that time and was kind of just about to hang it up when he connected with the partners he's got now and uh, very quickly turned it into something that is a real-life operation. The bagels are available at Cortina Cafe in downtown Seattle. Information at rubensteinbagels.com or rubenstein underscore bagels on Instagram. If you want to check out his paintings, he's andrew underscore rubenstein underscore on Instagram. They're the real deal. They're chewy. They're delicious. He used my sourdough starter, actually, which I mailed him a couple years ago in all his R&D, and now it's in the final recipe. And we did a bunch of R&D for some custom special flavors and schmears that might be rolled out later on down the road. Look for a brick-and-mortar opening in 2020, but for the time being, if you're in downtown Seattle, do not miss them. They are the real deal. And uh, keep in mind that he was motivated to start this because he couldn't get a decent bagel anywhere around there. So these, I think it's pretty safe to say based on certainly his assessment, which I trust because his bagels are really good. uh, They're kind of the best you can get out there. So check him out. I'm, uh, I'm super proud of him and his work ethic and the way he did all the R and D for this project while still having a job and being the parent of three kids and also maintaining his studio practice, uh, painting almost every night. He gets a lot done, and he does it well. So for all of you aspiring home cooks who think you might be good enough, this should be an inspirational story because he made it happen. After Andrew, we're going to hear from Brittany Bartelevin, who is one of the OG food bloggers that I used to roll with way back when food blogs were a thing that people read and we left each other comments and all sorts of other archaic practices. More about her in a minute, but in the meantime, here's my talk with Andrew Rubenstein in his family room in Sammamish, Washington, a lovely suburb of Seattle. trying to remember how long ago it was that we first like when you first brought up the bagel thing as an idea i think it was about two and a half years ago when i was working for that marketing firm yeah and And it it arose out of dissatisfaction with the bagels available here mostly it really arose out of a number of things one was just about me and that i wanted to figure out a way to do something uh with my hands and and I dreamt, I've always dreamt about being in the food service business, but I never had really any experience, but some waiter, waitering experiences and I've never been in the kitchen. Yeah. So I've been insecure about that. Yeah. But your dad's quite a baker, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was making croissant and stuff like that. Like yeah. He's been doing that for, advanced for stuff. years. Yeah. 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 He loves the laminating stuff and he does schnecken and other things like that. Um, and my mom is an amazing cook and my mom is one of these people who can, she cooks like she paints, like she Mm. just, she just grabs things and she puts it together and it's beautiful. But I wanted, but I didn't know how to get into anything and I thought, and, and, and when I was working for this marketing firm, we dealt a lot with cult branding Mm. and, uh, the idea of 
what we've got out here with the donuts, like Fudu Donuts, which is absolutely pretty not very great donuts, but mm-hmm. covered in crap that people have a religious following for. Mm-hmm. Like particular toppings and flavors? Oh, and like, yeah, like Captain Crunch uh-huh. and like bacon and uh-huh. things like that that you yeah. didn't ex- that, that uh-huh. disrupted the donut space at one time. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I hear weed's legal here. That might yeah. have something to do it with it. Too. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I... I had this idea, and then I had this bagel across the street made by this this lady, and I thought it was really great. And she topped it, and in a way that I thought was great with the with the capers and the oh yeah shallots, and that was great. And 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 I was like, God, there's just no good. Then I started thinking, man, there's just nothing in this area that's good. There's mm-hmm. we have a Montreal style bagel that did really kind of disrupt things for a while. Um, ultimately, for me, they're unsatisfying because they just turn to pucks really quickly. Yeah. Um, and later on, I learned the reason why that is is because they don't ferment them, and there's no rising that goes on, and they're really slim. Um, uh, and then, and actually, when I used to visit you in New York, we had some bagel experiences that I've not shaken. Mm-hmm. The crunchiness stuck, of the bagel—they stuck with me, and I loved it, and I wanted it. And and I grew up with bagels. Um, you know, I remember going to one of my friends' house, and we always had these sesame bagels they'd bring home. And they were, they were not what, what I'm making now. Right. But they were good enough to do something for you. Yeah, and it's like they were coated in sesame, and that, that sort of aromatic sesame thing that was going on with them. I just mm-hmm. couldn't get enough. Was there like a particular place in Milwaukee or whatever? That... Well, we used to go to this place called Benji's, uh, Benji's Deli. That was the only place I knew. And there was the Bagel Nosh. Mm-hmm. We had the Bagel Nosh. Uh, and then, you know, in Madison, there was bagels and the state street bagels, but there are these, that, that was about the evolutionary time when bagels turned into like a loaf of bread. Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. doughy. And, Super and doughy. They got big huge, too. huge. Yeah. Unmanageable. It was uh, just round bread. It was like a tourist shaped loaf of bread. Right. Or, you know, and then some of them, they get super ultra malty and that's weird. I don't know. But, uh. And then through a series of sort of, I was kicking that idea around and we were talking about it, but, you know, I've had some employment foibles in the past few years where I've gotten fired mm-hmm. or I've hopped around. And then you and I had just been talking like, yeah, you should do it. Yeah, you should do it. And I thought, yeah, I should, but I'm not the guy. And then uh, after one of my last sort of letting go or not having a job, I was talking to my sales coach, Dave Mantell, and he says, you know... I got to tell you, I heard about your job. And he's like, when we're talking, he's like, I got to tell you, every time you sound really jazzed about something, you've done it with your hands. Yeah. You've made something. You and I share that attribute. Yeah. And he's like, and it's really obvious. And he said, you really ought to think about doing something. Is there anything you could do with your hands that you could make? I'm like, well, you know, I like carpentry and I like all this stuff, but I'm no expert. I can't go out and hang a shingle out and be like, yeah, I'll make your decks and I'll. Right. Finished, I didn't know finished car. So and that's where that, I was like, I've been thinking about making bagels for a while. I love the, the idea of just sitting there and rolling out bagels. I've watched tons of videos of it. Yeah. I hadn't made them yet, you know. And it took me even a while still, after I finally committed to trying to do this, to even actually start making the bagel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of courage. I mean, it seems like a simple thing, but and it's definitely something I can relate to. It's like even something, yeah. even something like starting a podcast. You're putting yourself out there in a way that people are, you know, absolutely by definition in a position to judge the product that you're creating exactly yeah but i still had faith that if i could do something like this i was controlling i was it was i kept thinking keep it simple stupid keep it simple stupid if i could master the one thing and be really good at it i could build the other things up and i could and at the time it was like i want to be the neighborhood neighborhood bageler yeah and we live in an area my suburb of Sammamish or my t- city of Sammamish where we are being overrun by just chains and we have, and the development companies Regency and others have a stranglehold and all they want to do is cater to their portfolio and not society build in any way. Yeah. But I really wanted to bring it here at first, even though it's not like we have a big Jewish community and, um, I felt like our community needed somebody to be bringing something that was made here, wholesomely made, and they could say to their city folks, you guys have fucking donuts? Well, look at these goddamn yeah. bagels. You don't have well, these. And also bagels are, I mean, they're, they're you know, they're certainly associated, you know, their, their origin is Eastern European Jews. Uh, right. But 
but they're now fully American. Oh, yeah. I mean, totally. Everyone likes totally. a good bagel. Right. Most right. people haven't had a good bagel. Right. But every 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 breakfast menu out there for any cafe, yeah, they carry bagels. Yeah. You know, airplanes, they'll have a bagel. Yeah. You know, they're awful. Yeah. They're wrapped in cellophane. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I really wanted to bring it out here, and that um, just I, that couldn't happen. But the idea was, if I keep it simple, I, I won't get over my skis. I'm not going to do a full-service restaurant. I'm not going to have super ephemeral goods. I'm not right. going to have lots of salads and things that are going to go rotten if I don't manage my inventory appropriately. Right, right. It's just flour, water, yeast. Right. And well, and a good coffee food. program, but you're a certified a coffee. coffee geek, so you already know that language yeah, pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and then... Well, and so then it, it ended up being, I mean, it was well over a year of kind of home, home R&D, just getting the master recipe down and the technique and, and yeah. learning your own equipment here in the house, right? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I hired a brother of a friend of mine, of a departed friend of mine, who was a restaurant uh, consultant, and he helped me work on my business plan and helped me sort of flesh out what his experience is for volume and what sort of metrics we could use to sort of do some forecasting and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, and then, um, but in the meantime, I just kept on making after making after making. Yeah. And, um, and fortunately I also had this cousin who I've mentioned, uh, Melina, who's, um, she's been quoted by Hamelman. She's in Hamelman's book. She's, yeah. Which is a great book. I love yeah, that book. Yeah. And, and she's brilliant. And, um, she was visiting and helped me dial in some things. I mean, help me even deal with the, 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 the idiocy on my part. When, when you sent me that starter yeah. and you said, I think, I don't know how you phrase it. It was like, you know, one-to-one or, you know, whatever, equal parts water to flour for the starter. Yeah. Well, I was dumb enough not to think it was one-to-one-to-one. Mm-hmm. The starter and so the adding, water. Oh, right. and, so I was choking. I was just choking the yeah. starter the whole time. She's like, I can't believe this thing even survived. You're abusing it. So then she taught me with that. And then she and I worked out a little bit more, just, you know, because I've been really committed to this sourdough idea because yeah. I really wanted a deeper flavor to the yeah. bagel that just you're not getting every place else. Um, and then later on, as I learned about it, I really wanted the idea of having a fermented product being better for you and yeah. sort of countering this whole movement of no bread, no carbs, no, yeah, you know, yeah. no gluten type thing, saying, well, part of the reason why, you know, I've read articles, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert, at it, but part of the reason is they're, they're, they're claiming is people are eating this these these really depleted flowers that yeah. have no nutrition that yeah. are highly refined and they're fermented for all of a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, and so your body's not able to absorb it or, or use it appropriately. Yeah, so that's just a byproduct of it. And and uh, you chased down some really good flour from the region, right? Yeah, the 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 flour is grown in Washington State. It's milled in Utah, so it makes a little bit of a run, but it's organic and it's certified organic and it's a high protein flour which creates a nice gluten structure it made a really good pasta the other night yeah so you know i love that flour and i'm i'm fighting for it with my new partners to do that um yeah but i think i you know and i i'm still sometimes tweaking my recipe i think the things that are hard to learn is that it's that it's a living organism and that depending on the humidity and the temperature and the, and, the, and the equipment and everything like that, it's not, you can't take it, like the experience I'm having right now is I'm, I've been making it at home forever on my little mixer, in my oven, batches of 16 at a time, taking it to a commercial kitchen, albeit not a bagel kitchen, right. and trying to scale up to 100 to now all of a sudden 400. Right. I don't know where that came from, but... Um, well, he's probably thinking down the road a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and trying to produce that and have them be as good as they've been at home. Yeah. And while those who've had them have been really pleased by them, I haven't been as pleased by them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like, I, you know, today's that we baked today without the sourdough were some of the best shaped, I've made, the, the most loft and tightest I've yeah. seen. Them no, they were look. beautiful. They, yeah. But they didn't quite have the chew or the character or the flavor. Yeah. Right, so I think we'll get to this next week, yeah, yeah, yeah. or maybe in this week. Well, and you can keep tweaking, like you said. I mean, at home, you can just small batches to like dial it in. Right, right. But um, I think bagels are having a, a, a new resurgence. You know, when I talked to the guys at the um, the oven manufacturer, 
he says things like, oh, yeah, back in, you know, the bagel renaissance, you know, and that was the days of Einstein, Noah's, uh, uh, Ruger's, you know, all these big chains starting to... That was, what, the 90s? Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, so now there's all this, there's either there's old equipment laying around or there's, you know, there's only one company now. It's the Einstein's, Noah's, Caribou Mm -hmm. Company. Uh, Are they any good? I haven't had one of those in Oh, they're awful. They're worse than they've ever been. Yeah. They're, 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 they're so bad. And I'm sorry, you know, Brugger's actually had something still a little bit of a leftover, but now they got bought by the Einstein's Caribou Coffee Company or whatever their corporate name is. And because um, they were at least still boiling them, Brugger's was. Mm-hmm. Einstein's doesn't boil them. They just put them in a, in a steam oven mm. and they taste like bread. Mm. Funny enough, there's a deli in town that gets a reputation and people love it and it's in Bellevue and he, ta- and he sells... An Einstein bagel, which is I think a buck seventy five at Einstein or a buck fifty, he sells it for three bucks. Wow. He sells it over almost twice the retail price. And he's not doing anything to it. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. And he can get it. And he laughs, he's like, Yeah, so what? I can get it. I'm like, I guess so. Well, but I mean that's exactly the kind of space that's ripe for disruption. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're never gonna get tired of using that. No, never. Uh, so you're still, you feel like you're still tweaking it. Obviously your, your, the physical plant's going to undergo a couple changes from where you are now to where you're going to be short term and then to where you're going to find your, you know, the forever home as it were. Yeah. Uh, and that's just going to be what it is. It's going to be kind of a shit show while you get that under you and then. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just going to, it's just going to be scrappy, you know, and I kind of enjoying the scrappy thing. I'm, I'm really nervous about waking up at whatever Odark 30 to make bagels at three. Yeah. It's going to suck, but it won't last that long. I hope not more than the summer. Yeah. I hope less than that. And just think what a great parent you'll be that whole time. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be so happy and so bright-eyed. Just relaxed. Chipper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Able to handle all the things that life throws at yeah, you. Yeah, I'll never forget something. <laughs> yeah, well, after this weekend, you know. Yeah, well, we've, we've worked on that. You set the bar pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten a lot. <laughs> I'll fix that. Yeah, but you know, look, the the good news is that you know, forgetting the start of that one day, you you learned a pa- like a valuable lesson about what the starter brings to the party, and you also managed to improve the workflow. So that was in and of itself a big victory, right? So yeah, I, totally. I, I I would apart from all the comedy that happened this weekend, I think like it was a pretty good breakthrough. Yeah. And well, and you, I understand I think, they can throw the old ones around at each other and like beat each other with. Yeah, totally. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Cool. You probably want to have a couple tennis rackets in the back yeah, there yeah, just yeah. for extra laugh. Yeah. Uh, sure. But I feel like the uh, you know by the end of this weekend, I feel pretty good about all the all of what we got done. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I think I think you know the, the the thing that we finally got to have happen is you know like I said in the cars, we have been talking since day one about all these flavors. Yeah. So we finally got to experiment with all these flavors. Yeah, and they were they were uh, at least as good as I imagined they would be. Just riffing on the phone with you. Yeah, um, and and I, that one in particular was uh, really good. I think the and curry. They, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think there's there's um, there's a lot of potential uh, for the other ones and for the ones that we you know didn't get to but talked about more. I mean, yeah. you could you could really have like a pretty interesting and potentially kind of cult following generating weekly special situation right right and it will be that until somebody says until we get such demand for them that we start producing them on on mass and you know there's other things that we still have to figure out i i I would like to really figure out a way to um, make the dough and freeze it or par-bake them and freeze them and get them stacked and ready so that we have major events that we need to cater for sure I'm sick, the baker's sick, or somebody's sick, if we can get it, you know, done. or if people want a commissary and, and buy them and have them as an up, as a program for themselves. I think that the airport's a market for us, you know, that'd be a great market for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you if you start to go after the freezer section of supermarkets, that's a very different business plan, but it's, it's you know, you build yeah. a local rep and then you start regionally or whatever, that could really go somewhere. Yeah, I don't right now love consumer packaged goods it's not that's not what you're feeling it's not i mean i'm feeling like i want to make money yeah yeah yeah. you know so if that's the way i'm 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 totally down with that uh i mean i don't like you know what i'm almost 49 i don't want to do this into my 70s no not really i'd like to be 
early 60s and maybe we make enough of a name for ourselves and, and somebody wants to take it to the next level or something. But, you know, it's going to be scrappy and fun and hard business. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be exciting. You know, I, I can't wait to open the doors on Rubenstein Bagels yeah, when yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you should, I mean, it sounded based on the talk you had today. Um, it sounds like, you know, a, a brick and mortar situation is around the corner, right? Yeah, I mean, as, as, as around the corner as once you sign a letter of intent and a lease can be, you know, that's a nine-month, potentially a nine-month deal. Because you have to gear up too, right? Well, you got, I mean, you've got permits, build-outs, all that gear up, if that's what you mean, yeah. Now, one of the locations, it sounds like the site that we're looking at really wants, wants our bagel concept more than they want, or quicker than they want the fine dining side of our, my partner's business. Right. And um, so, you know, there might be ways that we can get moving faster. I mean, the thing that I've learned is people who know what they're doing know how to make it happen faster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was always been, that was my struggles and with trying to get a place. You know, I mean, when I met these dudes and started talking to them, I was about done. Yeah. I canceled my business license. I took down the website. I applied for a full-time fundraising job, and I was like, this is it. This is it. I'm done yeah. with the struggle. Yeah, well, you had those couple of consecutive setbacks that yeah. really kind of took the wind out of your sails yeah. for a while. I was like, forget it. I don't want to fucking do this anymore. I, I, I just, it's too stressful. I can't keep focusing on, I can't keep, I can't keep having so many doors open. Yeah. It just, it was driving me nuts. I needed to close some doors. And then all of a sudden I met these people and, it's, and, and they have so much more experience and so much more. Well, and pull too. And pull with realtors and everything like that and financing and just really cool people at the same time, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. doing a really good job and bringing great food to the city. Yeah, that it was it 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 was felt very fortunate for me. Do you have you given much thought? Because I know you you've mostly got the master recipe dialed. Um, have you given more thought to like we were talking about different variations on raisins today, which obviously involves changing the dough. Um, there's also we had talked about. You know, maybe a kind of a rye situation or maybe a pumpernickel. Like, have you given, I forget how far you got with, like, different base dough recipes. Yeah, um, I have. Um, I've, so, I, I haven't done a whole wheat bagel in a while, but I definitely have done whole wheat bagels. And they've been pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And they've been pretty damn great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't done a rye and I think if I did a rye, I'd probably do a rye mash first or something like that to make it happen. And that's something that I would use my restaurant, my, my, my cousin to maybe help me dial that in. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not needing to be the only innovator on it. Yeah. You know, to make this work. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with letting other people, you know, I've got my other world, my painting world where that's where I get to be yeah, 100%. Well, and yeah, you're a sole proprietor and it's entirely your own creativity. Yeah. yeah. But this, as a business, you know, it's how do I provide something that people will just be so psyched to have and then not stop coming back? Yeah. And doesn't, isn't bad food for them as well. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's not keto. It's not paleo. Right. But... Yeah, but a lot of that shit, I mean, I just, you know, a good friend of mine is a big keto guy, and, and he knows a lot about food. I mean, he's a professional and has been for, for years, and, uh, I, you know, I don't have a lot of time for any of the fad things. I think they're based on limited information or incomplete information, or uh, I think a lot of fad diets are really just eating disorders dressed up in science drag. Well, it's tough, you know. I think um, the problem is our society, for the most part, we're all sitting at computers or driving really long distances or both. Yeah. And we're really unhealthy in many ways. And so how do we manage our weight? I mean, at 49 years old, I don't want to be fat. Yeah. You know. And it's harder to not be fat. It's harder to not be fat. It is harder, yeah. And especially when you go on 
when you start really indulging just the flavors and like the things that we've eaten, you know, this weekend. Now yeah. we haven't gorged ourselves, but well, we could have, and it's been yeah. more food than I usually eat yeah. for sure. It's definitely more bagels this weekend than oh I usually eat. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to taste them all. Oh, if I had bagels, <laughs> yeah, we sure did. Uh, but yeah, the but also I mean one of the things about yours, apart from the chew and the character and the and the the inherent deliciousness, um, and but the texture you know extends to the to the physical act of eating it. Um, they're also the right size. Yeah, they're small. They're the yeah. size that a bagel should be, and yeah. because of the density and the chew, by the time you're done with it, you're you're good. You yeah, know? It, was, it was you put something good on that. But they're not precious, no. and that's the other thing. These Montreal style bagels that are in town, they're precious. You still spend two bucks but you're getting something that's like it's it's maybe an inch rope in diameter and it's it's just it's something about it like you could eat three of them mm-hmm. and so i would rather be just eat the one or yeah you know and that's it I and mean, that's all i need to eat absolutely well no and especially you know you put a schmear on it or you know a schmear with some more stuff and you make a sandwich or you just eat the thing open face or whatever it's it really is um because of the quality of the flour because of the long fermentation um it really is a whole food. And so not only does it taste better um, and feel better to eat, but it feels better in your stomach and it yeah. lasts longer. It, yeah. it eats like a meal, as oh. it were, and, it, and your body treats it that way and it'll get you four or five hours down the road. Right. And that, I think, is a big difference between the, like, the spongy white ones oh, God. that you just pound and then you know, an hour later your body's like, you know. The, the glycemic index is through the roof, and right. you just yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a whole different thing, and it's the reason why when I bake bread, it's always a long ferment. You know, it's yeah. always to, to, and it's you know really good grain, and because it makes a difference. It's a difference really between a complete food that makes your body happy, and just another you know like mushy ephemeral thing that just makes you crave more garbage. Right, yeah. right. It's a lot like what happens when I go to McDonald's every day. I just kind of want to eat another yeah. burger. Which like, might, you know, I'm just saying, might have something to do with the, you know, the waste, forgetfulness. Uh, the forgetfulness and the waistline anxiety. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. No, I think we've, I think we've identified a lot of your, your, your faults and problems as a human being this weekend. Oh, yeah. There are many deficits and we really had an opportunity to see them all out on display. <laughs> Well, so, like which I is said, good, I, you know. It's it's when you have old friends around, you know, you gotta have shit. You gotta be, you gotta be, gotta be honest and true. Yeah. Well, also, you know, especially an old friend like me, because I solve problems just in here. It's just my nature to do that. Yeah, I just help. Public. I just help people everywhere I go. So, yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be PB. It should be PS. <laughs> well, I'm excited, man. I really yeah. am, and uh, and uh, I will come back out for the grand opening. Absolutely, the, the ribbon cutting. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Someday soon. Yeah. Not next year in Jerusalem. That's right, baby. Thanks, man. (laughs) Thanks. Andrew Rubenstein. Rubensteinbagels.com. Rubenstein underscore bagels on Instagram. Check him out if you're in town. We had a blast. It was a fantastic weekend, and I can't wait to go back. Brittany Bardelevin is the pastry chef at Dahlia Bakery, Dahlia Lounge, and other Tom Douglas restaurants, I believe. Um, She's really good at what she does. She's a total pro. She runs a great operation. Um, She's creative. I loved her blog back when she wrote it. I liked the one that she and her sister made a pathetic half-assed attempt to start up because neither one of them could be bothered to maintain their own. And then when we all stopped blogging, basically. Uh, But she's kind of killing it out there. And uh, it was lovely to sit in the private dining room at Dahlia Lounge. So you can hear a little bit of the hubbub of the the main space uh, behind us. And uh, yeah, we talked about dessert and how she's kind of wanted to do this for her whole life. She's chef underscore Brittany underscore B on Instagram. And it's DahliaBakery.com. Here's me talking to Brittany Bartlevin in the PDR of Dahlia Lounge. So 
so yeah, I haven't been here before. My best friend from grad school has his first solo gallery show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of, very last minute, got a wild hair and it's like, fuck it, I'm coming. Great, just, perfect time to come, yeah, too. Yeah, it's great time here. We already found morels. Like, yeah, I saw you were in my old stomping grounds. In Sammamish? In Sammamish. That's, that's where, where I grew live. up. Is yeah, it really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So you're really from here? I'm born and bred. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, homegrown. And so, so the... Because you're, but Brooke's not a food person. Like, I mean, she, I okay, she to, thought she may have been for a little while. Because yeah. I don't know, younger sister. She's like, oh, my Just, big sister's doing this. Maybe I'll do it. And she is an incredibly uh, talented artist, mm-hmm. and like pretty much. But she also has a really short attention span. So she's had a phase doing knitting. She's mm-hmm. got an Etsy shop or did for a few minutes making jewelry. She went to culinary school and was a baker for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, now she's a city planner and. Mm. She she found that she would just rather sit at a desk and earn a really nice salary, yeah. which makes sense to me. Totally. Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. And so, were you guys, um, you know, growing up here, you know, did you come from kind of a food family? We kind of did. Like, my parents love to cook. Both of them are really good cooks in different ways. My dad grew up really poor, and so like it's. Um, how to stretch the ingredients that you have and get creative and um, yeah he had six kids in his family I think and um, his parents are really good cooks but again it's like poor people food but now I like some of those things that I grew up eating that my grandma made would like Mm -hmm. totally be my last meal Um, and and were those like was it poor people food in the sense of like you know government cheese yes yeah making that work but also um, my grandma grew up on a farm and mm -hmm. so she they knew how to grew their own their own vegetables. So they had real ingredients. Real ingredients. Like her, their signature meal would have been a pot of beans and a pan of cornbread mm-hmm. and to feed all those kids, which my mom or my grandma makes phenomenal pots of beans, which yeah. those simple ingredients, which when I was growing up would have been considered like, you know, not cool because we'd be doing, you know, 90s, what is 90s fancy food. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's where my, what, what my mom grew up eating, her grandmother or my grandmother, her mother was a really great cook loved to entertain and was like really into trendy foods and um my mom loves to read cookbooks and follow the recipes and my dad would just throw some shit in a pot and Mm -hmm. it would end up tasting good so we grew up eating good food yeah Uh, however my parents also both worked Mm -hmm. so we grew up eating good food on the weekends Mm -hmm. and so did you have to fend for yourselves kind of and so my sister is actually also a really good cook she would Mm -hmm. come home from school and like make like she'd be like okay we have chicken we have a can of cranberries we have orange juice and like right. she would turn it into something really delicious and it's just the two of you the two sisters. just the two sisters yeah because there's there's you know i mean i had a like a roommate for a year in college who who um came from very you know modest means mm-hmm. and and his grandparents would actually mail him their bricks of government cheese oh seriously at college yeah because wow. he was really yeah. struggling yeah. To, to even just to you know get by on work study and and loans and everything and so there's like you know, poor people food can mean like incredibly humble and honest, you know, mm-hmm. organic Italian peasant cooking, right. but it can also just mean processed garbage out yes. of cans and yes. boxes and stuff. So yeah. it's interesting that you kind of threaded the needle. I threaded there. the needle. I got a little bit of both of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I ate some rice aroni in my day. Yeah, and sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, my dad would get home from work. He was sort of there at night. My mm-hmm. mom worked later and it would just be, you know, whatever. And it was good food. It tasted good, but it was full of sodium and everything right. like sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but I kind of, I do have a little bit of a trashy soul because of that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I have an appreciation for those 60s-style desserts that use Jello and yeah. cake mix because that's what I would find in my mom's little accordion recipe box. Right. And I, that's what I would make when I was 12. That's yeah. what got me into the kitchen uh-huh. and learning to follow recipes and to bake. And, so. and is that something that, like, after school, were you guys kind of latchkey and you sort of ended up having to make yourselves dinner? Basically. Yeah. Not necessarily dinner, but, like, we were always alone for, I don't know, an hour or two. Mm-hmm. And my dad would get home and make us dinner. My, my dad also was a phenomenal gardener mm-hmm. we had a great garden growing up and he would go home he would get home say hi to us and then he'd put on his army cargoes and go into his tool shed for mm-hmm. like five minutes and then he'd come out with his headphones on and garden for like an hour i know for sure he was smoking weed in there mm-hmm. just coming it's like that sounds so fun yeah. like hey kids yeah <laughs> i'll be outside if you need I'll anything be, i'll be with I'll, listening music and exactly, playing with the plants exactly exactly yeah. so like we had good vegetables that we grew next to our rice but mm-hmm. like a pretty typical dinner for us would have been like some sort of chicken, like a chicken burger. We ate a lot of those, but yeah. it was with lettuce that we clipped off the, yeah. the, the pot on the deck. Well, that's, Cause that's really interesting. And, and like, uh, you, 
I think that in some ways that sort of unique hybridization between very, you know, super high in a certain sense of like the freshest and most high quality and also super low in terms of like the most generic, yeah, prepackaged, whatever, it, it kind of puts you like in terms of building sense memory mm-hmm. and setting benchmarks in your in your mind for like for what a lot of different things are supposed to taste like yeah. from the most comforting junk to the most clean and sort of healthy yeah yeah and and so in some ways that that sounds like kind of even if at the time you had no idea mm-hmm. it's, in a lot of ways it probably helped really build it did i mean i like to say way. yeah i like to say that i embrace the highs and the lows of the culinary the culinary world like yeah. i work in fine fine dining and have for many years and so i've been exposed to what really really good food is yeah as from you know from a you know from a fine dining standpoint so yeah. like a, uh expensive ingredients I'm exposed to those and get to taste them all the time but also when I go home that's not what I want to eat like right. I, I I love beans things like that yeah, like yeah. I just throw some shit in a pot and yeah that's what I do and and in some ways like you know I'm not really a dessert guy mm-hmm. I mean it's like I, I'm too much a dessert guy which is why I'm not really a dessert guy <laughs> yeah um but the and just seeing what you're making and what you post and um you know you've you definitely keep, um, you know, there's a sort of sense of playfulness, mm-hmm. but also the way you mash up high and low, mm-hmm. and you're like, you're not, you, you're not hating on any of the, like, the childish comfort no. food. And dessert, dessert gives you permission <clears throat> to always be fully there for it. Yeah. Because otherwise you're not really succeeding, right? Yeah, it you needs can, to make you feel like You uh, can. Right? It's like, I want to latch on to those emotions that... Um, that food gives you and I want people to be presented with a really beautiful dessert that maybe they paid $14 for yeah. uh, but then to taste it and just have all of those senses go back to your, your grandma's kitchen or yeah. you know whatever I want it to be very comforting and you get to have a little bit of a sense of humor with dessert too yeah totally um, so you know people are well, drunk by the time dessert course rolls well, around also so it's you know I mean sugar is like the ultimate sort of lubricant yes it's like it's easy to please because it's just really yeah you know. yeah yeah and so yeah and that's sort of the thing that like because I have this, I am very good at not buying sweets. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tremendous willpower when I go out into the world to shop for uh-huh. food. Um, and I'm really good at not coming home with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it gets into my house, because somebody brings it over, or God help us, it's like, you know, Christmas season and everyone just keeps bringing yes. fucking cookies, yeah. you know? And, like, if it's in my house, I have no defense. Yeah. And I just eat it all. I'm the same way. I, I need to gone. eat it until it's gone. I, I need to get gone. it out. And I'm yeah. growing up with a dad who grew up poor. Like the idea of throwing it away yeah. is like, well, it's like, no, I can't do that. No. I would rather gain twelve pounds just this power week. This. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. it got to the point where, like, um, when our when our son was younger, uh, and he would go to school with you know a treat every day, mm-hmm. or, and then or sometimes he'd get one after school, depending, whatever. Um, my wife had to keep coming up with new places to hide the shit because I would, you know, <laughs> on one of these days or occasionally like late night or whatever, I would just start like tearing the house apart yeah. trying to find where she'd hidden <laughs> the cookies. And, you know, I mean, it was like some kind of horrible like PG-13 remake of Requiem for a Dream, <laughs> you know, except that instead of a two-headed dildo, it was like half a pack of Fig Newmans, you know. <laughs> but I was like, you know, and so honestly, I would like, she'd move it, she'd find a new place and yeah. I'd find it and then... And so eventually we just, you know, she, we sort of phased it out and yeah. he's actually got, like, mercifully, he's kind of not doing the sugar thing anymore because yeah. he's obsessed with fitness now, so. Oh, great. How old is he again? 14. He's 14. Yeah. Oh, boy. I know, it's nuts. Yeah. But, um, so I'm, I'm interested in, like, because sugar's such an easy sell mm-hmm. um, and because you came, I mean, we can go back to, you know, your training and everything, but, but. One of the things that I'm so interested in is how you navigate, like, the inherent easiness of mm-hmm, sugar, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody loves it. Yes. We evolved to cherish it because it's such a rare thing and in nature. And it's addicting. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and it presses these yes, deep buttons yeah. in our brains. And so I'm interested, like, in how, you know, from a creativity point of view, um, how you, like, how do you make it interesting and challenging on an ongoing basis? I know you have the best fruit in the world up here. Yes. And, and so you have and a lot of, helps. you have some raw yeah. materials that are, yeah. and the acidity of fruit is always a great foil yes. for sugar. Yeah. And I like to reach for things that are somewhat unexpected. I mean, it's things like fennel pollen. Mm-hmm. What's like my, kind of my favorite ingredient to work with this time of year. It's not unheard of, but people don't always expect that intense herbaceous 
um, licorice flavor in, say, a rhubarb shortcake. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're right. I do have amazing produce to work with. Um, But I also just like to throw in some weird elements, some savory elements that people aren't going to expect, like a, you know, a parsley meringue or something like Mm. that, or um, black cardamom, flavors that they're not expecting when they're going to taste a a crostata or a pie or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, Alcohol. I really like to cook with alcohol. It's, Yeah. yeah, it's, kind of my thing but too. I mean do you mostly cook it off or do you actually not always yeah. I, um, sometimes I do but a lot of times no I'm I want them to taste the true nature of that liquor mm-hmm. and so and so you soak cakes soak in, cakes like, in it rum kind of thing exactly I'm a big one in for soaking cakes like I do a, um, a nochino soaked cake a nochino mm-hmm. you don't get that like hot alcohol burn in your mm-hmm. mouth you mm-hmm. just but I would hate to burn it off I would hate to reduce something such so beautiful yeah um so yeah, and I, you know, I've got a full bar at my fingertips that mm-hmm. I can take. Do you care mess with. around with like your own infusions, of, like just in grain alcohol, or like, not yet? No, no. Um, I just kind of read for what's done. But, right. Yeah. 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 Moonshine. I did something with moonshine a couple of years oh, ago, yeah. and it's like it's really interesting, and and it sells. So yeah. I'm about to put a um, single malt scotch, chocolate creme caramel on the menu. Uh, next week at the Dahlia, and it, I will not be burning that off. That's no. I want people to taste that. Yeah, well, that would be just a sin. It'd be a it? sin, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, at what point did you go from um, just being a kid who you know kind of cooked for herself mm-hmm. and, and um, to to decide? And did you know pretty early on? I knew you, really early on. I was um, my first job was at Bohm's Candies in Issaquah, Washington, and mm-hmm. so like I wore a dirndl and all. Yeah, damn, damn, yeah. teenage girls and no their dirndls. No wonder you and Heather are such. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that too. You guys yeah. are like seriously. Yeah, we really soul are. Sisters. We do. We do get along well. Um, but I got to. It was a chocolate factory, and so I got to see handmade chocolates and what went into that. And so I that just triggered an instant like. I like this. I'm Mm -hmm. interested in food. I like to think about food. Uh, And then from there, I worked at a a bakery in Issaquah. And I was just a counter girl, but um, one of the things you had to do right when you started was they gave you this big packet of every single dessert and pastry that they serve and all the ingredients, the description. They needed you to know everything. And Hmm. I was just fascinated reading it. It it didn't feel like a a thing I needed to memorize. I, I really enjoyed it. And so it was maybe my second week there because they would also put you in the dish pit and mm-hmm. I was sitting there doing dishes and I looked straight ahead and I saw the pastry chef icing a cake. I mm-hmm. think I was like 17 years old mm-hmm. at this point and I was like, she's at work right now and that looks so freaking fun yeah. and I've always loved desserts. Like there's never been a dessert I didn't like. I really liked to bake with my grandma. I really enjoyed that process of measuring the ingredients. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, my first job at that, <clears throat> I was a little younger but it was washing dishes in the bakery in town. Yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah. So I spent, I, I was just using like the Getting the water as hot as I possibly yep. could to try and get to the, melt the, the butter. No, the the, the burnt sugar. Sugar on, on that the one too. Yeah, from the sticky it's buns. It's nothing as bad as uh, like burnt on meat. Oh though. my god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was interesting though because it was it was unlike the situation I described with mm-hmm. the with the hidden sweets at home. Um, it it took me all of the first five day work week there to never want sweets again. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'd have like you know two or three brownies a day for the yeah. first five days. That's and how like, I felt about chocolates and please, pastry. Yeah. No more. Yeah. No more. Yeah. Like I really loved it. I love smelling it. I mm-hmm. love making it. I love to taste it. But when I go, there aren't sweets at my house at all. Yeah. Even if, with the kid. He's allergic to dairy, eggs, and cashews. So baked goods, I we don't have. Oh, okay. We do have a little bit of a weakness for candy in my house, mostly my husband. So it usually is there, and every once in a while we'll give him like um, those like Annie's gummies. So I feel like yeah. I'm, he's being tricked into yeah. thinking. But you you just got to make sure not to switch them with your gummies. By accident. oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, luckily they have a law now; those have to be like clear. They they can't oh, okay. be uh, they can't be colorful so and attractive like to a child. Food. Exactly. Okay. Totally makes sense to yes. me. So yes, yeah, I'm all for that oh, law. That's good. Yeah. Um, and so after high school, did you just go to culinary? Yeah, I went home that day that I was like, and I was like, to my parents, I think I want to go to culinary school, and they're like, great, that sounds affordable, like, yeah. And so my mom just did some research, and we had a really great um, culinary school here, right in Seattle, called South Seattle College, which mm-hmm. unfortunately they just closed the pastry oh, program. That's good. It really is. At the time, it was like considered one of the third best. Um, like community college pastry programs in the country. And so we kind of lucked out and I went right after I graduated in September, I took a summer off, but yeah. And it was, I was kind of hooked. I really mm-hmm. loved the, um, my, my chef was this old school French uh, chef 
and then there was another one who was an old school Austrian chef, and mm. so they both came from that old European style um, professionalism environment. Mm-hmm. Um, With a very particular kind of presentation too. Exactly. Right? Yeah. A lot of sugar sculpture. Sugar sculptures, chocolate work, all of. I really hated that stuff. What I really loved was the plated dessert mm-hmm. uh, part of the the program. And so, what what period is this? Is uh, this is nineteen ninety nine? So I would have been eighteen or nineteen. Right. Okay. So. Food Network had just started yeah, becoming a just, thing. And, and so I'm trying to remember, like, back, that period was a little bit post-Charlie Trotter's architectural. Exactly, exactly. It was exactly. starting to just get a little more interesting, yes. a little less central, right? Yes. Everything, like, in cir- concentric circles. Yes, exactly. Or sugar, spun sugar, domes over the pastry. So we were working from a book called Bo Freeberg's mm-hmm. uh, The per- Professional Pastry Chef, and I think there is, like, a spun sugar loop over some really, really, um, like, anal retentively plated dessert. Yeah. And so that's how I came up. A lot of um, pools of creme anglaise with the little dots of coulis that right. we pull the heart through. Like, right. that's just what we did because that was what was popular at the time or maybe a little dated. But the whole... But, and things started to break open pretty quickly after Very that, quickly right? after that. Um, yeah, and so I didn't exactly get to take the reins of um, working with my own, what I wanted to work with mm-hmm. until... About the time you and I started chatting, mm-hmm. I think I was 27, and I was a pastry chef for a place called Betty and Crow, mm-hmm. two different sister restaurants on Queen Anne. And the owners weren't into dessert, but recognized its importance, and so they were just like, do whatever you want. Hmm. And they did, I didn't even have to cost out my desserts. I, wow. Yeah, they just... And, and, but so you did, just to jump back, you did the pastry program. At I did the post-pastry program. Okay. I wasn't interested in food. I mean, mm-hmm. I like to eat it, but I wasn't interested in being a cook. Right. Um, so yeah, I went did the pastry program, and then from there worked a couple of like baking jobs. I was a pastry assistant at a mm-hmm. place called the Third Floor Fish Cafe, which mm-hmm. was the pastry chef was a little older. Again, it was that slightly old school style of desserts, and yeah. I just did the work, and I really learned. Um, you learn how to multitask, get a lot of work done, be berated, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the craft that comes the with craft it, right? that comes with it. I still enjoyed it, but it also helped me develop a thick skin mm-hmm. uh, for working in the world of kitchens yeah um and was that um i mean obviously there's some pretty well publicized horror stories yes. now was that yeah. you, sure it was you... a thing i experienced minorly mm-hmm. um i worked one of my first jobs was baking for um a chain restaurants of bre- chain breweries um and i took the job because i would be baking and it would teach me how to work in a kitchen teach mm-hmm. me kitchen culture this was actually my very first job out of culinary school um and I was going to be working on the line one night. And I wanted to get that experience without having to go through it in mm-hmm. culinary school. And I remember it was my first day on the job. And I had worked on the line. I was going home at like 1030 at did night. Did you have a particular, were you doing garde manger or? A pantry cook, pantry. yeah. So I was tossing salads. Okay. Um, and so as I was leaving, the chef at the time was at the bar getting hammered. And he just came up and like put his arm around me and then whispered in my ear, you're doing it but like his lips touched my neck it was so gross but I just remember being like "Ah, whatever it's restaurants and then I I was going on my weekend and then I came back and he had been fired for other reasons and so it was really lucky and then you know you get some of the line cooks that are just kind of gross and you know maladjusted and um, that was really that particular job that was really the only time I actually experienced it I worked in much more professional kitchens and then now it's so much better now it's so different and then working for Tom also Mm -hmm. he's very um, he's a good reputation he's a yes he's also I only saw women in the kitchen exactly he's got he really employs women Um, he his wife has a farm in all these pictures on the sorry they have the seafood pictures up Mm. we have a farm in Prosser that his wife runs it's all run by all women and so the produce that we use especially this time of year is all grown there mm-hmm. so oh that's fantastic yeah yeah um so what uh like in terms of the 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 loosen like because I, I i can make some desserts mm-hmm. um and i have you know some technique and whatever you know i'm old enough now that i've just cooked a lot so mm-hmm. I, I can do things um i'm not super versatile and to me the um, it's, it's only partially true, but I think the sort of the defining difference to me between kind of savory and sweet in general is that most savory cooking, you don't really have to measure. Yeah. And sweet, you kind of do if you want it to come out the way it's supposed to. Yes. And so what I'm interested in from that point of view is the, um, obviously if you just make 
Bavarois, you know, a hundred thousand times, mm-hmm. whether you, you don't really need to measure anymore, right. or you can at least eyeball certain things. Yeah. Um, I can make bread now without measuring mm-hmm. a lot of times, mm-hmm. but it's a particular kind of bread. It's not, you know, yeah. it's, it's the slightly Rustic. different every time, Yeah, yeah. you know, sort of slightly hippie loaf mm-hmm. thing, but I can mm-hmm. do it, uh-huh. right? Um, and I'm, I'm interested, like, beyond internalizing a few, like, the basic building block recipes, mm-hmm. which I'm sure most of which you can do, you know, in mm-hmm. your sleep now. Um, how do you get to the point where you can start improvising with things that aren't really flexible in terms of mm-hmm. their fundamental nature? Yeah. Does that make sense? I do. Yes, it does. Um, you have to have some sort of a base recipe if you want to improvise, like uh-huh. a cake recipe. Uh, we do have a cake recipe that is just uh, an oil-based cake. It's really moist. I know exactly how much um, hydration I need to give it. I know how much leavener I need to give it. But from I know roughly how much sweetness I need to give it, but I can play with it from there. Um, and I can make you a thousand different cakes out of that just base recipe. Um, a biscuit recipe, same. It's You just have to have that canvas mm-hmm. that you And these can are things with. that you've worked up yourself? Yes, these are your own exactly. Yeah, thing. like yeah. you you know, well, this needs a little bit more leavener. And so you just tinker with it until you get it right. And then from there, you can really improvise. Now, things like a sauce, it's, it's the same as cooking. You don't, you don't need right. to have a science to it. But right. for that base recipe for a cake, like my leavener needs to be spot on. And so I need to weigh it. And, yeah. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. All right. So in today's global, you know, not only can you get any ingredient, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, but you also know in real time what people are doing all around the world, yeah. right? You know what Will Goldfarb is doing in yeah. Bali, yeah. and you know what Renee Redzepi is doing yeah. in Copenhagen, yeah. Yeah. and you know more or less as soon as they post it. Yep. Um, so there's an awareness and an access mm-hmm. to, uh, and I'm just wondering, like, do you still feel like there's a regional identity beyond the fact that your fruit here is so good? Do you still feel, or is it getting kind of all ironed out? The, the style of desserts that people are into here are much more simple than what Renee Redzepi are doing. You know, yeah. it's, the stuff like that doesn't really sell here. And right. it's, I used to try and push that on people. I would say over the past five years, I have gotten better about putting less on the plate because mm-hmm. that's what Dana Cree is doing or that's what this person is doing. And more about just what feels right to me. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of taking my ego off the plate and trying not trying to be like what these other people are doing. But five years ago, yeah, I was like, I, this is, I have to be doing this too. I have mm-hmm. to be breaking up pieces of cake and, you know, a lot of foam. And it's like, that is not me. That is mm-hmm. not my identity. So I really th- feel like I've come into my own and appreciated my soul as a baker mm-hmm. over the past couple of years when I was like, you know what? This is stupid. It's not going to sell. And mm-hmm. Um, I need to put less on the plate and just be myself mm-hmm. and it's cool. it's been working really well for me and again like you said I have really good access to ingredients yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. no growing up is not all a bad thing it's not that bad exactly <laughs> yeah and my food cost is much lower so it's perfect yeah yeah. That's excellent. yeah I mean the other thing obviously that a lot of home cooks never learn how to do is make massive quantities of all these uh-huh. things which is yeah. a very different kind yes. of cooking yes and and so you know it's like a big difference between making a you know cake for that's going to fit in one little pan. Versus it is, making, yeah. You know, yeah, giant. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sort of, uh, I'm curious how, I mean, I guess going back to the improvisation thing, like, and presumably you have some schedule, like you need to mix up, introduce new things mm-hmm. on a some kind of regular yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah. And, and is that pretty much seasonally driven here? Like, in It just, used to be seasonal, but now I try and do it monthly, mm-hmm. uh, which going into this time of year, that's almost not quick enough either. So like in the summer months, I'll sometimes change things every two weeks just because they're coming at me with apricots and peaches and strawberries. And yeah, it's, it's almost, it's awesome, but it's stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in January, you're just working with what you got and yeah. try and mix it up a little bit. And, and so when you have to introduce something, you can't go back to the apple thing you were doing two years ago. You no, They want no. you to, no, it's got Well, be. I mean, they're, they're kind of down with whatever. Uh, I, this is another place where I pretty much get free reign, but I do have to watch my food costs, my labor, all of that stuff. Right. Um, but in terms of like your repertoire, like they yeah. don't, ing- you can or you, you're, you're okay like repeating yourself? If, or if you I mostly have, just for your own interest? For, it's for my own interest. Like yeah. if I have something that is just killer and I love... I will probably bring it out, bring it back, but sometimes I'll, I'll retest it and make sure 
it's exactly how I want it to be or how can I make this slightly more interesting. There's a few recipes I will repeat and repeat and repeat because it's perfect, but I will almost always be mm -hmm. adding some other element to it or switching it up a little so, bit. So how do you think, now that you've been doing this, mm -hmm. obviously, at a high level for quite a while, how do you feel like you're getting better and is the way you're getting better different than it used to be? It's different than it used to be. Um, I'm not saying I've learned everything I can learn about pastry because I certainly haven't. It's just um, parts of my job have nothing to do with pastry now, like mm -hmm. running a kitchen. The business side. The business side of it. Managing people. Managing people. Budgets. Budge, all of that. Yeah. Uh, things I never had to do up until I, – I took this job eight years ago. I was mm -hmm. hired as a sous chef. I've been, I was promoted to chef in 2000. 14. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's really where you need to watch what you're doing. Whereas mm -hmm. when you're a sous chef, it's just kind of you're riding the tails of the chef and yeah. learning what you can. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's meetings, um, all of that, the business end of it, I am just woefully uneducated. Yeah. And so that is just something I'm constantly learning. The um, But I mean, and is that with an eye <clears throat> towards... Um, you know, advancing more on the business side of it? Yes. Or cooking less? Cooking less. I mean, I would love to be cooking a lot more, but I also, I do, this is a good way for me to uh, learn things that I just know nothing about. Well, and it, presumably you position yourself to earn differently. Exactly. Yeah. Down, so, I mean, I'm 38. I've probably got another 15 years in me of working in the kitchen, and mm -hmm. but I don't want to leave this company. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and Tom always promotes from within. Right. He's, so you're making yourself as promotable. As exactly. Possible. As yeah. useful. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, this hopefully is my retirement job. So. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, yeah. that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, did you, did you, uh, ever sort of go live, study, do stage, anything? Anywhere no, else? I really never did. I, if I could go back and do it again, I, I would have staged somewhere, but it was just, I was just working. I was mm -hmm. taking jobs as they came because I had to support myself. And um, yeah, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 19 and it's not cheap here. And mm. uh, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, also was just taking whatever jobs we could to support ourselves. So I didn't really have the time or the uh, financial means to study yeah. somewhere or yeah. anything like that. But yeah, I would love to get to a place where I could take some time off and mm -hmm. go, so, go to Europe and yeah. stage where, somewhere. Where do you want to go? I'm, I've never been to Paris. I would love to go, but really, I would love to go to Austria too, mm -hmm. um, or even staging at one of the restaurants around here. Canlis would be really cool, mm -hmm. or San Francisco, mm -hmm. um, New York, obviously. But well, it's, is there is there a, some sort of established I don't know system or at least protocol for people of a higher not not people entry level mm -hmm. and you know mm -hmm. learning right but people who are established professionals of like I don't know. I've never looked into it, but I'm sure if I were to call the pastry chef at Canlis and say, I'm the pastry chef at Tom Douglas restaurants. I just want to learn from you. I, mm -hmm. I don't think it would be difficult for mm -hmm. me to get a quick stop. You just there. need somebody here. To I just need someone. I need to take some PTO and go do it. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I haven't thought about that in years, but now you're putting this idea in my head. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's because, um, you know, when I was writing the book, there was a period where the baker there, um, and he did all, you know, the pastry and, mm -hmm. and, and desserts, but he was principally, um, baking things mm -hmm. and uh he took a month and went and staged at tartine in san francisco mm -hmm. and it and it and he was already a really good bread baker yeah and he came back with a whole oh, extra yeah level of... i'm sure like we think we're good at what we do and we are but there's so much to learn like laminated doughs mm -hmm. i haven't made them in years i haven't really had to uh the croissant that we serve at dahlia bakery come out of our bread kitchen mm. um again bread is just something i i make it at home from time to time we make brioche in this kitchen but yeah. we don't i haven't really delved into it since culinary school mm -hmm. so i think once my son is older and i have to take less time off for when he's sick or his school right. vacations i think i probably will dedicate a little bit of time to just go out and gain some education and i could probably do it for free like just hang out in somebody's kitchen for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. And so, well, that's an exciting thing to, you know, yeah. think about. Yeah, moving definitely. Forward. How old is he now? Yeah. He's four. Four. So, oh, he's yeah. He's still little. I thought he was a little older than that. No, he's still just Oh, because little. Brooke has... Brooke has, eight. yeah. He's older. He's, he's she's like got an eight-year-old eight. and a five-year-old. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Four is still pretty young. You get a little while before... I, yeah, I'm hoping so. I really like four. It's They're so cute, dude. My kid's a giant now. Yeah. But he's like cool, and you can hang out with him. Well, yeah, he's you know, he's he is cool, and he's a really good guy. Yeah. 
but he's also, you know, a surly 14-year-old. Yeah. So yeah. it's like the coolness is there sometimes, yeah. and then sometimes it's just not available. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, like, the, there's a closed sign yeah. on the door, yeah. and that's, there's just not, they're not receiving visitors. Yeah. You know, <laughs> try again another time. Closed for business. Yeah. But it's, uh, no, I mean, it is it is super exciting. But the littleness, yeah, I do miss, you they're know, the sweetness. Really cute uh, and snuggly, and, but for, so you get that, but then you also get, like, he can put his own clothes on and hmm. he can go to the bathroom and oh, yeah, really a, appreciating that. That's a big day. That's a big day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and the, the cool thing is, especially like from a cooking point of view, I remember um, being really excited when we kind of morphed from just a complete shit show with flour uh-huh, everywhere uh-huh. to the point where I was like, oh, damn, kid, you're actually doing that. Yeah, like, I'm really that, like, looking forward shit. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make you dinner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, it yeah. happens. It I happens. saw your son is also doing your music for your Yeah, he, that's he makes awesome. beats every day. That is amazing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I think he may, he may have found his thing. That's great. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Well, thanks for talking. Yeah, of course. I'm so glad we were able to connect. Yeah. Brittany Bartlevin, pastry chef extraordinaire. Check her out if you're in Seattle. Chef underscore Brittany underscore B on the gram. DahliaBakery.com. I'm Cookblog on Instagram, cookpod.net. Theme music by my son Milo Barrett, smilob.com. Please like, please share, please subscribe, please do all the nice things that uh, help this succeed. Please, if you are so moved, Uh, Give me a five-star rating and maybe a nice review on the iTunes. It's a huge, huge help. Thanks very much for listening, and uh, tune in next week.